There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, real talk and lols. You're joined as always by me, podcaster Belle Crawford. On the show, we're joined by journalist Katie Harris for another edition of our occasional feature, Girls Group Chat. While I was doing a work contract in my home city, Katie quickly became my work bestie. We'd chat about everything, skincare, TV shows, books we were reading, clothing we had our eye on to insomnia, IUDs, and something we discovered we had in common. On this episode, we delve deep into a conversation about ADHD. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and more specifically, we cover the experiences of successful women who felt like they were failing being diagnosed as adult and how it's changed their lives. A quick note, I had to record this intro in a different studio to the rest of our conversation, and after graduating from university, Katie started working in radio news, and that's where she felt like she was struggling. And that's where we'll continue with our chat with Katie. Enjoy. So when you were at Newstalk ZB making radio news, you at the same time, you were going to a specialist for some things, weren't you? You've told me about this privately, so I, I really yeah. wanted to speak about that. Yeah. I mean, like mentally, it was a really tough time. Like, I feel like I've never, <laughs> this, feels, this sounds really bad, but I'm, I'm fine and I was fine then. But like, I had never had such a poor mental health period in my life than when I was 22-ish working at Newstalk ZB in that young just because I'd never done radio before like I'd never at university I was like writing mostly we did like I think we did like a week of radio and then you start off and you're kind of thrown in the deep end which in many ways is really good because you learn fast as you say for me it was just like I was so used to having you know positive affirmations at university and like you know I was used to being top of the class in my postgrad and I was so used to being good at journalism when it came to radio, though, my brain just, like, could not do it fast and I couldn't... I think I was fine and I look back on it now and I think I'm just being hard on myself because I was really used to feeling good about my career and I felt like I had maybe aligned myself too much with what I did as a job. Doing radio made me feel really bad and I felt like I was screwing up way more than everyone else. Yes, I was still getting some really good stories, but I kept getting pulled up on like small spelling mistakes or like forgetting to do things or my bosses at the time were really reassuring and they're like, you know, you're just learning. Inside, I just knew something was wrong and I'd like for a long time, I'd always thought I had ADHD and I had a flatmate that got diagnosed when I was at university and her and I were quite similar And I'd spoken to my doctor about it in the past and she was like, no, you don't. Like, your grades are fine. You've done fine at school. You're at university. And she just thought that, like, ADHD, she, like, had the same kind of perception that many people have, that ADHD means dumb or ADHD means not successful. And so I tried to kind of get diagnosed before, but it never really, like, eventuated. And so after I'd gotten back from Jakarta and I was working in radio, it was actually during lockdown, I was kind of at my wits end because I just felt like, all of these things that I keep making mistakes on, like I'd write the word the three times and my brain would just like whiz over it and I would file the story quickly and then the editor would be like, why have you written the word the three times? And it was because I was trying to just do heaps of things at the same time and my ADHD brain was just like, okay, just whiz through everything. I just found it really hard to slow down. And I was also having like sleep issues and it was kind of just all of these different things and like For years, doctors had just said, like, oh, you're just a bit anxious or you're just... Yeah, like, for years, I'd just been told, you know, just meditate, take things slow. But I just knew, I always knew. And so during that first lockdown, I finally just bit the bullet. And I ended up getting put in touch with a specialist and I got diagnosed with ADHD. So that was, like, quite a life-altering experience. Like, having, you know, your feelings validated, but also having, like, an explanation for the why Mm. and kind of like a that's why I did that or it was really helpful like especially during that time because I could say to my boss like look I actually just need a little bit more time 
on stories like this just because it's hard for me to get my head around it. The other thing that's also interesting and I think it really like kind of shows in my work now is hyperfixation. So people think ADHD is a lack of attention, but if you're interested in something, you can show an abundance of attention. So you could be doing one story and just like loving it and, you know, doing an incredible job of it. And so with radio, you jump to the next story really quickly versus like what I do now, I get to just delve into it and really love it. Mm. Like, so when you got diagnosed, how did that change your life? I cried. I was like, I remember just feeling like, for so long especially like when I was younger I just always felt like a failure even though I wasn't a failure I just always felt like I wasn't doing a good enough job even if I was doing fine or doing really well I'd always make silly little mistakes or forget forget silly little things so you know you might organize to see your friend one night and then you forget and you just forget like three times in a row and it was things like that where like I felt really bad and then you start feeling really overwhelmed and like there were experiences I had as a child that I still remember now like I remember being at school (laughs) this is so bad I can't believe this happened like I feel like if this happened nowadays it would be a story but um this teacher went around our classroom and was pointing out what everyone was going to do when they grew up and I was year 10 the teacher like our class was already like separated into like the smart class and the dumb class And I had like requested to be in the lower stream because I just like way preferred going slowly. But because my results on this one like intelligence test were really high, they made me go into this like quote unquote smart class. And he went around the whole classroom and he said like, Jeremy, you're going to be a doctor. Sam will be an engineer. Sarah, you'll be a teacher. Emma, you'll be a nurse. It was always women. I mean, nurses and teachers and men were always engineers or doctors or lawyers. And he finally got to me and he said, you're going to work at Pack and Save. And not like there's anything wrong with working at Pack and Save, but he meant it because I just could never focus in his class. That was like really hard. Like when you're 14 years old, being told that all your classmates can aspire to all these different things. But because you can't focus in one class, you are going to work at Pack and Save forever. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But the way that he had said it, he was meaning it in a derogatory way. And so it was things like that that I looked back on and like, When you get diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, as an adult woman, which is, you know, quite common now, it's hard because, yes, you're happy you're being diagnosed. But on the other hand, you're still kind of sad because you're grieving the younger you and Mm. everything you had to put up with without support, without answers and without kind of an explanation. It sucks. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like that morning of like how you could have helped your younger self and how things could have been different for you. But at the same time, having this explanation, but then... And try not to dwell on it, but it's a like a morning, I think. Because you think like, oh, the 14-year-old me thought I was never going to do anything. Like 14-year-old me had no idea of my potential. Like I just never found something that I really loved. And so like not only was I feeling, you know, really shit that all my classmates could do really well and I was kind of like just average, but also that I could see no light at the end of the tunnel because I was trying really hard. But then I was just average and yeah, I kind of felt like, there was no hope for success. It was really difficult being diagnosed. Yeah. How was it difficult? Was it upsetting for you? I feel like I felt let down because it hadn't been picked up earlier and I'd had like so many teachers say in reports, Katie's never focusing, Katie's always away with furies. If she tried harder, she could do really well. If one teacher or if like one person had kind of like taken a closer look and it's different now because we know that the way that women present with ADHD symptoms is different to men. I just kind of felt annoyed because I was like, well, why didn't anyone look into this? Like, it would have changed my life. Mm. And like we said, and, and you just touched on, back in the day when you are at school, it was the boys that had ADD, not girls. And so now what we're seeing, and I know you've written about this, um, that a lot of women are being diagnosed as adults because it did present differently, right? So that's a huge issue within our healthcare system. Yeah, and I think I'll just explain a little bit about this difference in symptoms because obviously everyone can present in many different ways, but a lot of the time men present more with those hyperactive symptoms. So that kind of idea of the boy running up the wall and disrupting the class. Also, boys can present with the inattentive symptoms as well, whereas women are more likely to present with the inattentive type. So that's kind of like distraction. But there is a whole kettle of other symptoms that are really not spoken about as much. For me, some of the symptoms that I have are like feeling quite overwhelmed if I have too many tasks on my plate, which I think really played out when I was working as a radio journalist because I felt 
overwhelmed quite a lot because you're having to file five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories in one day. And even though like you know in your head you can do it, when you've got ADHD, prioritizing things can be really hard. Mm. So that's one kind of symptom. The other ones are like being a bit more, and there's actually a term, it's called rejection sensitivity disorder. So I wish I knew about this before <laughs> I dated so many guys at university. But I always just thought I was more emotional than all my friends or more like, not needy, but I just felt like I was hit harder by breakups or that I felt they affected me way more. And after being diagnosed, I realized that that's actually an ADHD thing as well, or as well as a human thing. Some of the experiences I had was that, say if you know I was ghosted or if someone didn't want to go out with me, it would really mm. make me so sad. Like I remember just like fixating on it for months and it would just, you know, you're just trying to find answers. And I think that's quite an ADHD thing is like being so curious. And so, you know, you want a solid ground and you really want those reassurances. And so when you're a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old and you're dating – most of the time it's very fluid and nothing's concrete and so it was really emotionally hard. Mm. Sleep issues is another one that a lot of people with ADHD have, which explained a lot. I had so much sleep issues when I was younger and I still do now, mm. but not as much. All of these things are kind of just part of the ADHD sphere and like it gets reduced a lot in media to just crazy kids in the classroom people that are really impulsive but there's so many different ways that it can present in everyone Mm. there's so much misinformation I guess stigma and we'll go through all of that but I think a lot of uh, a question that I see a lot is and now people are starting to talk about a lot more especially women who are successful women that are you know getting diagnosed like yourself the diagnosis process and people wanting to know how that works so in New Zealand, and I understand in Australia because I've interviewed someone who got diagnosed from over there, who is a, an incredible entrepreneur, very creative. You need to go to your doctor or get referred by a doctor or a therapist, and then you get referred to a psychiatrist, essentially. So talk us through what you, because you obviously work in that area where you write stories about this and you've interviewed people. Tell us the diagnosis process. It's a really varied system for so many different people. In New Zealand, most of the time you have to get it done privately. First off, there are massive equity issues because for many people, you just can't afford to be diagnosed because in New Zealand, you have to be diagnosed by a psychiatrist if you need to get prescriptions and things like that. That's the first hurdle because I don't know if you've been to a psychiatrist, but it's very expensive. How I did it was I tried with my doctor at the time. Um, This was while I was at university and she was kind of like, well, I don't think you do, but here are some numbers And the people I called then were kind of like, the wait list is six months long. And so I dropped that, obviously, with ADHD, not much attention span, and six months is a long time. Forgot about that. And then during lockdown, when I did finally get diagnosed, I had Googled it and I found this, I think it's called ADHD Info. And it was a website, very bare bones. And I just called the number. And there was a woman that picked up and she was very kind and lovely. And she's a nurse. And she sort of did like a pre-assessment. So I did these kind of surveys and she spoke to me and she was like, okay, I think you've got ADHD. She referred me or technically a referral, Mm. but she kind of linked me in with a psychiatrist. With him, what I did was booked in a zoom which is at the time was kind of rare like normally you have to go in in person I looked through all of my boxes from when I was a child trying to find all of these notes from teachers and and I spoke to my mom and people that I grew up around to see if they remembered things and so I got everything ready had these reports that were kind of like Katie's always distracted yeah so I have this one really really like vivid memory ingrained in my brain of this one basketball coach telling us all in this team talk he was yelling at us And I just was like looking the other way because I was so bored. And I just remember him (laughs) yelling at me like almost every game. I just couldn't focus Mm. on him. He also had a very slobbery mouth. So (laughs) (laughs) that was hard. And then we just did this Zoom and I was kind of like, these are my symptoms. This is what I think it is. Here are my old reports. Here's how it's impacting my life. A lot of the time, you know, things only are a disorder when it is impacting your life. And for me, the main things were that I felt like I couldn't concentrate if I found something boring. So if there was like a press release that came out, the bank is changing this policy I would read it 10 times and nothing would get in my brain. Like My brain just like could not comprehend stuff I found really boring. But then if I found it interesting, I could literally do it all day. I was one of the lucky ones though. 
because I only had to do one session with this guy and it was about I think all up I paid about $600 so like $200 to the nurse and $400 to the psychiatrist but from what I've heard from people I've interviewed that's actually really cheap Mm. and a lot of people are forking out thousands of dollars to get a diagnosis so that's like the first kind of barrier there's so many other like equity issues with ADHD as well I could talk about it all day every two years basically you have to be re-diagnosed which is you know another massive cost plus paying for prescriptions every month you have to have an authority number as well so that's like more money that's what you need to get every two years yeah what happens as well is like you've got to kind of get re-diagnosed every two years so you know another four hundred dollars down the drain at least plus It's not like a prescription, like the pill, where you can just get a repeat and kind of take it in every six months. With ADHD medication, if you take it, or everyone with ADHD does take it, if you take a stimulant medication, you've got to get your doctor to re-prescribe it every month. Even if you go to a pharmacy that's like a bargain chemist where you don't have to pay the prescription fee, your doctor will charge you for prescribing it is $25 each month. ADHD doesn't really like end as soon as you've got your diagnosis. Again, if you've got ADHD, organising something every single month of your life is a lot of admin. The thing was, when I started working here, and we would chat about like all the things, skincare and things we were loving, and you know, you'd send me links to like a dress that you really wanted to buy and you'd show me things. But the thing I found with you, and I haven't really spoken about this at all yet, I haven't really, I've been sort of coming to terms with it, and I think a big part of it was that I was just working it out for myself but also I think there is a lot of stigma and shame and misunderstanding of what it is like for me I was chatting to you about it because you told me about it and I was like oh my god I'm looking into that as well um it had been brought up when I was younger not at school it was after school and I at the time had an eating disorder when I was studying at broadcasting school I had an eating disorder I was anxious I had depression I basically my mental health was no good and I was very sick and this pediatrician who saw me and diagnosed me with depression and agitated anxiety he said I think you might have ADD and it's in my family and so at the time I was like it was all too much to deal with I had too much going on and it was really overwhelming and because there was just too many things happening and I just was not in a good way mentally and also for me looking at people I knew who had ADD and ADHD it didn't look the same for me and I know that now obviously there you know it's different for everyone it's not like one size fits all so at the time I didn't really pursue that and I got on with and started to have a pretty successful career but then when I was a few like quite a few years down the track I went to a therapist and she said do you think maybe you have ADHD because she has it and I was like I don't know and she reckoned that maybe my dopamine wasn't so good she was doing body talk so anyway she said hey let's get you referred so yeah like you said I got referred it took ages like there was like a more than a six month wait list I just (laughs) wouldn't get around to booking the appointment six months away I know even though I knew I had to do it and initially I was going to see someone and it was going to have to be via zoom and I didn't really want to do that Anyway, I found this guy near Wellington where I've been and I emailed him. I was like, hey, can you help? Like, I need to get assessed. I already had a previous diagnosis, so to speak, written down. But obviously that was 10, 12, whatever years ago. And so anyway, I went and I got diagnosed. So I recently got diagnosed with ADHD and I haven't shared this, but you made me feel really comfortable. And um, yeah, I've been going through the motions. I've taken medication for over a month now. And already it's changed things for me so much. I feel, I don't really feel too different but I look back on my weeks and I've had a way better week. It was when I started, it wasn't working in radio because I was always able to, like you say, hyper-focus in a studio and have lots going on, lots of noises and things. But it was when I started running my own essentially media business with this podcast and other things that I was doing that I found juggling everything quite a lot. And I've always been a bit scared of saying that out loud because I I don't want people to think that I especially professionally like that I can't focus or that I'm not organized or I can't handle things I can but I would just have some days where I really battled to focus and I think a lot of that was linked to being a bit burnt out and working too much as well like for me I just was working way too much and of course when you're tired you can't focus But yeah, like already I look back on my weeks and I'm like, wow, I got so much done. And it's not that I wasn't getting things done, but it's just so much easier for me now. I feel like as well, like once you've had kind of support and once you know what it is and once you're like, if you're on medication or if you're taking another route and you're doing other kind of therapies, you can set like a plan Mm. and then you can actually like do what you planned. 
for you, like after being diagnosed, you know, how did it feel? Like, did you feel like I did, like the relief? Or? Yeah, I felt relieved, and I honestly went and sat in my car because I had two appointments. They were it was meant to be one like two hour appointment, but my grandma had passed away, and we had some family things on that week, so I split it into two. So, which was actually, to be honest, a lot better for me because I I just didn't know if I could sit there for two hours. <laughs> I can't yeah. sit still for very long. Um, <laughs> classic ADHD. But yeah, so we had a two two one hour appointments, and I just went and sat in my car afterwards, and I felt relieved. I think even during the appointment when he was telling me, because in the first one they don't he didn't tell me, but then the yeah. second one he sort of came up with his findings, and we did a lot of questions he asked me a lot of things and it was to do with this and I don't know all the technical words but it was this questionnaire and all the the scale of where you sit on the yeah so anyway he was talking me through that and he said to me he's like you were born with this like this happened at conception um and you know so many people have this there is nothing wrong with you and it was just like while he was telling me I just felt like crying like I felt really relieved because like you, even though I've been fairly successful in my life and been able to work, like I had, that's why I struggled with it for so long, coming to terms with the fact that that may be something I had, because I didn't struggle to focus in school. I got pretty good grades. I excelled at some things. I do remember though, if I wasn't interested in something, especially in high school, I literally could not focus on it. Like my parents had to uh, pay for a tutor I'm so grateful in maths because I didn't listen in la- languages I would play up and be like which languages I can't I can't remember I've not, I've learned so many languages I was like I'm gonna I've any language you can think of I've done it Bahasa Indonesia like I've done Arabic I remember oh being God. like <laughs> I remember like, I'm gonna become like a foreign correspondent I need to learn Arabic yeah. and I did it for a year I can't remember anything yeah I can probably remember like five lines we'll continue the rest of our girls group chat with Katie soon but first we're an independent podcast and there are some super easy ways you can support us Make sure you hit follow on your podcast app. Whatever you're listening on, we're on all of them. Hit follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying listening, leave us a five-star rating and write us a kind review. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram to keep up with our content, videos of our chats. I'm at Belle Crawford and Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok. Plus, send the link to your friends so they can listen as well. And you can catch up on our three and a half year back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, let's get back into our chat with Katie. For me, it didn't seem the same as people I knew in my life that have ADHD. So, you know, I was able to focus at school. I didn't have issues like that. I'm not really impulsive. I wasn't super hyperactive. Like, I'm lively and, like, loud sometimes. But I, to be honest, I felt like as a child I was... While I seemed and presented as confident, I was quite shy and I didn't like being looked at, even though I'd go and obviously do things like perform on stage or like I was really into ballet and dancing and and doing things like that. I loved doing, but I don't know. I just, I I feel like I was a little bit shy and I think as I got older, I understand anxiety, but I think it was like this shyness and like worry. Do you think that you have more of the like sensitivity around feeling like you're inadequate mm. and that kind of like hard on yourself stuff, which particularly women with ADHD have is like often reporting really low self-worth. Yeah. Is that something that you feel like? Definitely. Kind of and that's what made sense to me. And that's what I never knew about ADHD. So when he told me that, I was like, oh, so there's a reason why I've felt that way. There's a reason why I felt like I'm never good enough. I just thought it was part of my personality that I'm really hard on myself. Like anything I'll do is not good enough, even though I know it's good if that makes sense. Like, oh, 
you know, do really well. I'll have a really good result with something. I'll make something like this podcast that's successful. And while I know I'm putting out good work and I, I work hard on, you know, making things good, there's always something about me that, and I never liked it about my personality, that it would just spoil things. It was never good enough and I felt like a failure. No, so, that's a really common. Yeah. Like, that is such a common thing and, like, I felt it as well. Mm. Like, feeling like no matter what you do, it's not good enough. Yeah. And people talk about that being an artist, you know, perfectionism thing, which I think definitely was becoming an issue for me before I got diagnosed. It was some days, and I know it was from working like too many days and not having breaks for like literally over a year. I would just feel like there was a million tabs open in my brain. And that I is would, how I explain ADHD I, yeah. to everyone. <laughs> and it wasn't, it's something I'd never experienced before. And it was be doing this and then I'd go do this and I'd go do that. And I just, I honestly, those are the days I know. And that's why I struggled with it because I was like, this is happening now. No, it's never really happened to me in the past, but that was happening to me last year before I got diagnosed. Anyway, went to see this guy amazing but like you said it's very expensive I paid for it myself I think it was like 700 nearly 800 dollars expensive uh just to see him worth worth it and money well spent I know it's a privilege that not a lot of people have I mean I that's my money I didn't get handed it or anything but it is a lot of money and I understand that privilege but for me another year of feeling shit or like a failure that it's just money well spent and if it's going to change my life then I'm happy to spend that because, you know, I go out and spend money on clothes or whatever. For you, what's been the biggest change since being diagnosed? Like, what's the biggest thing that it's enabled you to do or feel? I already feel different and I already feel like I don't feel like my reactions are already different. Not that I've been in med- and like it's only been over a month or so of being medicated. So like probably not quite two months. So I haven't really had many situations where you know, I've faced rejection or a tricky situation, but I already know my reactions. I know I'm not dwelling on the past or things like I maybe would have or ruminating stuff or analyzing my performance or which which a lot of us would link in with anxiety, right? Yeah, like, well, you mentioned before that when you were younger, you were diagnosed with anxiety and depression and you had eating disorders. Do you feel like, you know, looking back on it now, that a lot of these things are kind of rooted in your ADHD? Yeah, when I was recovering from my eating disorder we worked out that that was rooted in a few things but one of them it was like a coping mechanism for my anxiety and I've learned since that some people with eating disorders have uh, ADHD and they sometimes treat people with eating disorders with like with similar treatment so Obviously, I'm not a doctor. Don't quote me on anything. But that was just my experience <laughs> no, and what I was told. It's funny that you say that because yeah. I've had issues with eating before in the past. A few people that I know that also have ADHD have had eating disorders as mm. well. And like, especially for young women, like when you're growing up, if you feel like you're not doing well, like a lot of it was about control. ADHD is really strongly linked with some of these conditions and often misdiagnosed with anxiety as well. Yeah. Even though they can happen at the same time, but it can just be, you know, undiagnosed ADHD manifesting itself into anxiety. Yeah. So with my eating disorder, that was a coping mechanism and I'd feel like it was a way, it's obviously an unhealthy one and I'm way past that now, but I would use that to help soothe, like self-soothe. And I think everyone's different but you know I probably would use coffee a bit and things like that to self-medicate and other people with ADHD may use drugs or alcohol and and other ways to I guess self-medicate because they need something to help them. Yeah a lot of people with ADHD do really struggle with addictions Mm -hmm. and it's actually really high like the prevalence of ADHD undiagnosed and diagnosed is really high in prison populations Mm. and you can kind of see why especially when you've had a rough upbringing many people that don't know they have ADHD will go on to offend with ADHD it's sad because so many people that have ADHD do end up with poor outcomes when I was diagnosed and he showed me where I was on the scale and this is what made sense to me because the whole not being out of focus and the impul- uh, impulsivity, hyperactivity side of stuff. He said, I'm quite, I'm very low on that. I'm a combination of low. So that's why I never thought I had it. But what was quite high for me was my concept of self. So that's the failure thing, not feeling good enough, low self-esteem, 
thinking you're crap, like um, rejection sensitivity. I just thought I was a really emotional person. Yeah, like did you have quite emotional breakouts? When oh you were yeah, younger? and like and they I, devastate you. Oh yeah, and like just a lot of things. You know, I've I'm quite passionate, and I've always had dreams and been really driven. Um, maybe too driven sometimes. Like didn't always. No, I could have let, I, looking back, I could have let go on some things a bit earlier than I did, but I'm like a stubborn, I don't know, I'm just, it's just me. Like, I don't give up. I, I just keep going. It makes sense, like reactions. And I just thought I was really emotional and I would be really emotional, like hard and fast. So I would be really upset, like way more than most people would be over things like, I mean, breakups are horrible. I think everyone gets pretty upset over them. Everyone. Yeah, everyone does. Like they're horrible, but there'll be things like that. And I'd be like super upset. But yeah, like, then, or it affects you for way longer. Like, it could have just been you went on a date with someone three times and they never called you back and you're like, yeah. for months, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, something's wrong with me. So it really feeds into that I'm not good enough thing, which I just thought was a self-worth thing. But, yeah, I'm still learning and processing, obviously. For you, you know, you mentioned before about being a bit nervous, maybe about speaking about it and about people. Yeah. Like, what's it like saying it now and sharing it? Well, I feel like with you and like in a way like this, it's so casual. And obviously the self-love club is a super, I've worked on building this space for three and a half coming up to four years later this year. Like it's a very special place. And I think I've always handled other people's, I guess things they're more like close to their heart or their stories and their personal information. I've always handled that very carefully. And like, I honestly, when I produce and have these podcasts, I I take so much care with it and so much love. And I think that's what's been part of it. But I realized that I need to do that with myself as well. So even looking back this year, I just, things have different uh, changed. Like something's changed. And even before I got diagnosed, something changed for me this year. I feel like being diagnosed felt like permission for myself to not be so hard on myself. And it gave me like permission to say to my bosses sometimes like, hey, I actually need a day off. I'm feeling a little bit frazzled or like, actually, no, I can't do overtime. Like for me, I need to relax because if I don't force myself to relax, then I won't be able to sleep. Having the diagnosis, it's not like someone that wakes up one day and says, you don't have to be so hard on yourself, but it's just kind of like something you keep in your head and you're like, well, actually, I do work differently to other people and like, I can't just sit at a desk all day. I have to walk around the block a couple times. We've been on it. We went on one today, actually. (laughs) We went for a little walk around the block. And it's like, you know, I remember feeling so like, not really bad, but like, especially when I was a radio journalist, (laughs) the other radio journalists are so amazing at just like, you know, hammering things out. And And they they sit there for so many hours. They sit in the same spot for hours and hours and after half an hour, I need to get up. I'm like, I need to go for a walk. I need to go get a coffee. I just need to like move my body it's that permission to be like okay everyone works differently and this is actually how I work best which is by having little breaks all the time Mm, yeah totally and while you're saying that I'm like classic thing I've always done I'm jiggling my leg under the desk like I've always (laughs) done that do you do that are you a leg jiggler I'm more of like, a, I don't know if you can see me sitting right now, but I'm like, fiddler. I'm squished up on my knees. Like I'll move around how I sit. Like I often will sit on my knees on my seat. I used to get told off for it at school because I just like never sat on my seat properly. It was always mm-hmm. kind of like mermaid on the side or like knees or. I think the thing for me, and like you said before, was how do you feel sharing it? I don't feel like it's that big a deal. Maybe I've come to peace with it. And I think the the only apprehensions I've ever had about sharing it was that I needed to process it myself first and what it actually meant. And I think because of the stigma and the people don't really understand what it is, it, literally it's the, oh, they're a bit dumb or they're hyperactive. Or I just think I didn't want people to think there was something wrong with me. When I first got diagnosed, I remember I was telling everyone because I was so excited. Because yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, guess who has ADHD? And I was like, <laughs> and like, it's really weird in hindsight. I remember like calling my boss at the time. Guess what? I've got ADHD, <laughs> which I feel like in hindsight is a really weird thing to do. But I just felt so excited because I finally had these answers. And I'd visited someone and they were like, oh, why are you telling people? Like, you shouldn't tell people. Yeah. Like, people might not. And I remember just being so taken aback. This isn't a bad thing. This is a great thing. Like, I have all these superpowers. And like, yes, I've been talking kind of about the negative sides of ADHD, but there are so many positives. One, I think, you know, make friends a lot easier for some people. You're like often more confident. You can kind of like just try your hand at lots of different things. And like, yes, you get distracted a lot, but it also 
also means, you know, you put yourself out there. I didn't think of it as an embarrassing thing. I thought of it as an exciting thing. And it wasn't until someone said to me, why are you telling people? You kind of can pass as like normal. Like, wouldn't you just not want to tell anyone? But that's what I mean about the stigma. What do they mean pass as normal? Especially in this day and age, you know, you know neurodiversity is something that can be really valued in workplaces, especially in like advertising firms or marketing places where like good ideas are kind of like solid gold. I come up with so many different story ideas. You think differently, but differently isn't bad. From people I've spoken to that have ADHD, and there's a lot of women who are super smart and people as well. Um, you know, I've heard of like top doctors and yeah. really top CEOs. And there's some, you just got to Google people that have ADHD. There's some incredibly successful talented people and so I, I really want that stigma and I guess that's why having chats like this is kind of important to people just don't always know and that's not really their fault yeah and also like I just don't think we should have to be embarrassed to have ADHD and I just feel like it is becoming more talked about now but there's still kind of this thing oh you're so hyper you're so ADHD people use mm. things like ADHD and OCD as slurs and I just feel like well actually it's not a slur it's just, you know, a different way of thinking. And yes, you know, there can be lots of really big negatives, but also they come with positives as well. And so when it comes to like a work context, I always think, because I've done so many stories on ADHD in workplaces and the different skills people with ADHD can bring to workplaces. And I think, yeah, they might need a little more time on some things or even less time. Like I often will write things really fast. Mm. They bring this whole plethora of other skills that other employees might not have. And people might not even think of doing some random crazy ideas, but people with ADHD will bring those to the table every day. I remember when I first got diagnosed, notes this is all positive this is amazing but then I went through this period where I felt like okay well actually I've had all these sleep issues in the past and like anxiety and things like that and I was kind of like this all kind of roots back to my ADHD and so it was really good because now I had an explanation and I had a framework of like okay well where can I go from here and how can I put in place different strategies or different like meditation techniques and things like that to be able to manage those symptoms and also like highlight the positives of ADHD, which I think you and I both do in terms mm. of our jobs, in terms of our lives, in terms of, you know, catching up with friends. It's like, yes, the bad things can be really bad, but also the good things can be really good. I remember speaking to someone once and they're like, I didn't do everything in spite of my ADHD. I did everything because of my ADHD. You know, maybe if you didn't have ADHD, you might not have wanted to push the boundaries with this podcast. You, yeah. might, you might not have had that entrepreneurial flair to go out on your own and do this. Mm, no, totally. And that's what I look at as the gift. I've heard of people speaking about the gift of dyslexia, which um, I have a family member with. And I think ADHD, while like anything, there are always things that are really struggles for people and really hard. There's a lot of gifts. And like you say, we should celebrate. And I think you're seeing it a lot more especially on TikTok neurodiversity ADHD TikTok's huge I've really enjoyed watching some things but yeah we need to celebrate and and look at those people and and the incredible things they bring to the table like you say you know you're able to deep dive and come up with creative ideas and I think you're a real asset to journalism like you're able to I don't know if it's an ADHD thing but we're able to relate with people yeah. And that makes us good at our jobs. I always have people say to me, oh my gosh, I've never said this to anyone before. People always mm. say, wow, I didn't even know I could come up with that. I don't know if this is an ADHD wide thing, but I feel like if you've been through struggles and if you've got ADHD, it's sometimes like easier to connect with people because one, you know what it's like going through hard times, but mm. also you can kind of like understand people on like a level they might not even understand themselves and like, I feel like I've spoken to so many people that didn't even know that they had it in them to be able to be so open and be so raw and share those really intimate parts of them. When you feel safe with someone, you feel able to share that and you feel like, you know, you can trust them. For me, as someone who does really, you know, worry about people being upset or worry about hurting other people, I try to make sure that the work that I'm doing is really helping people and changing things for the people I write about. Mm. I studied uh, journalism at broadcasting school and the part that I struggled with was I preferred being people's friend, the people pleaser thing. And then I got to, one of my first job was I was doing news, but I was also a co-host in a breakfast show. So I was better at that stuff. But I think you do a really good job of bringing that empathy, but still 
the journalistic qualities that you need to have? It's really hard. If you're someone that gets more anxious easily or if you're someone that cares about what people think, journalism is a really difficult career. Like, mm. I love my job so much, but also there are definitely like times that are really tough. Yeah, I think from hearing people like yourself speak about it and I've found watching people's stories online a little bit, people that I've seen on TikTok that actually have diagnosed ADHD, it's made me feel okay with sharing it. I still am a bit, I feel like this podcast is a super safe space and, you know, only people who listen to it listen to it. Um, I don't know if it's something I'll be shouting from the rooftops. It's not that I'm ashamed. I'm just still working it out. And I, I think for me, it's just I don't want people to think there's something wrong with me. But I'm. I but fu- you've got this like track record of amazing work. So that's yeah. the thing that's good is like it's good people like you are speaking out because you've already accomplished so much. So what can those haters say? Yeah, and I think even since I've been diagnosed, I don't care as much. Maybe that's a th- that thing, but this year I just don't care as much because I know I'm doing good things. And like you said before, you know, I've had people on this podcast tell me things that they've never spoken about and and people trusting me, that's a huge privilege to me. Like with my whole heart, that's such a thing I'm very grateful for that people trust me that much. And I honestly think maybe that's to do with our ADHD and and the experiences we've had going through hard times, feeling like crap, feeling like a failure, like you're not good enough, that you've never achieved enough, that things haven't always gone the way that maybe you would have liked them to have gone. And I feel like there's things that maybe we know now that would have helped back then or may have made situations different for us if we'd known or if other people had known. I also feel like there is some discourse now where people are like, oh, everyone's got ADHD now or there's articles about teenagers are self-diagnosing themselves Mm. on TikTok. And I always just think, yeah, there probably are some people that don't have ADHD that are self-diagnosing, but why are we self-diagnosing? And also, like, maybe it's just because people have been too scared to share it before. In New Zealand, obviously, it's so expensive to get diagnosed. So self-diagnosis is really valid. A lot of people do find comfort that way. But when it comes to sharing about ADHD, just because you're seeing it more online now and just because you're seeing more people open about their diagnosis doesn't mean that doesn't mean we're seeing the number of people with ADHD skyrocket. It's just that now we mm. maybe we just feel safe sharing it, whereas 20 years ago, people might not have felt safe. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the area. We're doing some good work here, you know, by sharing these conversations where we're talking about, you know, two women who are are doing well, even though we feel like at times we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'm still working it out. But you'll get there. Ritalin's been great. Oh, like life changing. Like it's literally like, (laughs) it's like, okay, you said before having 100 tabs open in your brain. When you have taken medication for ADHD and you have ADHD, the 100 tabs are all exited out of and I can just look at the one tab. One thing I've noticed, I don't feel as exhausted at the end of the day. I was exhausted. Without medication, you're like working like five times as hard as everyone else because you're not just working on your work. You're like working on your work while working to maintain the focus on your work twice as hard as everyone else. Trying to like keep your brain in one spot when you have ADHD (laughs) is like... A workout in itself yeah. like it's so hard so now I'm not feeling like I need to take naps all the time I'm not feeling like constantly exhausted and burnt out I feel good and it's already changing my life and I'm sure there's going to be times where it's not all perfect and sunny but at least I know and I'm still coming to the terms with the fact that I have it which maybe that's not a very nice quality to have in a person where you're in denial about something But I guess for me, with the information I had from the people around me who had it, mine didn't look like that. So I didn't think I had it. And I also, it was a struggle to work out if, is that a normal human thing? Like, is that a normal human Mm. thing to feel that way? Or is it an ADHD thing? Because everyone has these little traits and things, you know? So it took me a while to work out. And I think, like I said, because other people presented differently to me. And yeah, but for this concept of self, which I honestly thought it was my personality, which maybe it is, but the hard on myself thing, the low self-esteem, the not thinking I'm good enough is actually a part of ADHD that I had no idea. So when he told me that, I literally was tearing up. How did your family and friends respond when you told them? Well, my family is full of ADHD, so most of them have been diagnosed. Once I told the psychiatrist that my family, he kind of was like almost not rolled his eyes, but yeah. he, was, he was like, oh, because it, it's, it's, it runs through families, right? And creative industries yeah, as like, well. Do you feel like, I, I don't know if this is um, a bit off topic, but like 
I feel like I attract ADHD. People. Oh yeah, like I just knew. Like, like when attracts you, like when you came in and when you started, <laughs> I just like knew you had ADHD. <laughs> I'm like, it sounds really weird, but I'm really good at telling. And like, I interviewed Chloe Swarbrick on our podcast a while ago, and I remember I'd interviewed her previously. And like when I'd interviewed her in the past, I always thought she's got ADHD because she was always just like talking heaps and jumping around. And like she reminded me of me in many ways. Mm. Like when she said she had ADHD, I was like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. What did you see in me when I started working here? I think you were like me in terms of like sometimes you'd talk to me about one thing and then you jump topic. <laughs> Does your does your boyfriend get annoyed at you ever when you Oh yeah. He I actually told I told him before a lot of people I, I haven't even really spoken about this to many people. I've and I mean saying that I've been away from my friends in Wellington and they're all in Auckland. But I told him at one point, I was quite nervous about telling him because I thought he would think there was like something wrong with me, which is again, you know, a yeah. shame. But I sort of explained it to him because I was getting a bit overwhelmed. He was making plans with me, which is so lovely, but I was just finding everything a bit much in my own life with work and the things I was juggling and running a media business and then him like trying to, oh, what should we do in five months time and this plan? And I was a nightmare. I was freaking out. And so rather than I just told him and then I said, hey, I'm in the process of getting diagnosed with ADHD. And he was so amazing about it. He's he's really good at understanding people. He works in HR, so he's really good with people. And Do you know what I find is another symptom that isn't spoken about as much? Is the overwhelm. And it can be anything. Like mm. for me, it could be just if I've booked in to see three different friends in like the space of a couple of days, like I will be like stressed out because mm. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I've got to see, like I've got to like book in all these things or like, just having like a pile of laundry you haven't done. Overwhelm over just really simple mundane tasks mm. is so common for women with ADHD. And like even when it comes to replying to people over Messenger. Oh, yeah. Like I just literally, sometimes it gets to the point where there's like five messages and they'll be from like people that are like my best friends mm. and like my mum and I'm supposed to call my granddad. And just the idea of having this inbox stresses me out to the point where I just don't reply to anyone for a week. Yeah. And like obviously I work on my phone and I'm like, they'll know that I'm doing it. I feel so bad, but I'm like, it stresses me out to have to think that I have to reply this whole inbox mm. worth of people. No, that's really common with people with ADHD. I think it's common with everyone now. We're so like in demand and, and people you expect feel- you to be, you know, available all the time. No, I'm exactly the same. And I, I explained that to a friend of mine, um, one of my best friends. I told her about it um, after my first appointment and because she's known me for like 10 plus 15 years. And she said to me, yeah, I sometimes when we're when I'm with you, you'll get like distracted by something say we're at a cafe or a bar and I'll look over I I know that's something for me yeah I'll, like you're looking out the window I'm and like oh like, there's a plane you know like I've done that with my boyfriend before we were at a bar we're at the rooftop bar in Wellington and um there was something that flew past and I was like oh my god look at that look at the moon and he was like oh my god but another one is I would be quite forgetful and my boyfriend would kind of think that was, he'd be like, oh, you've forgotten about this. And so my memory, is that an ADHD thing? No, it definitely is. I actually forget um, things that he'd told me. There's actually a condition, I can't even remember, or not a condition, but it's it's a certain type of memory. And they did this big study recently. I screenshot all of it and I've got it on my phone somewhere. But basically... There's obviously like long-term memory and short-term memory, which like, I mean, relatively the same as people without ADHD. But there's a type of memory for it's like recall memory or something like that, which is for like remembering to pick up the phone or remembering to call someone. And there was a study where you were supposed to call the researcher, and ADHD people forgot way more than normal people. Those types of things are just like that's just my life mm. in, a, in a nutshell. But like. When you think about it, forgetting to call people is one of those things that could impact your career, your relationships. Like these small things that people just think, oh, they're lazy or, yeah, they just forgot to come to the appointment. They're lazy or they just like can't be bothered. Well, actually, it's just a symptom. And, like you could be the most proactive person, but you forget to call the person back about the job and so you miss out on that job. So things like that might seem minor, but actually can have a big impact on your life. Yeah, thanks for your insights. And I guess there's a lot of, a lot of chats that we have. I feel like people listening to this are probably going to think that maybe they could go and get diagnosed or it struck a chord with them, which I know has happened when you've spoken about it before yeah. and I've we've had conversations <laughs> with other people on this podcast. I know so many women within my life, you know, that haven't talked about it publicly, but um, I still feel like I haven't talked about it publicly. I feel like it's just a podcast, you know. Like no, it's not, you are. Yeah, but I know. Um, I, I know a, a lot of people that are – 
getting diagnosed. And also, it happens a lot for women when they're adults because that's when maybe they have children and they're getting their children diagnosed or they're having to manage a lot of things and it just all becomes overwhelming. Yeah, it's again the overwhelm. A lot of the time when you're a young person, say if you're at university, you're a young woman at university, you can handle that because maybe you just have university and a part-time job and that can feel fine. But when it comes to an adult, you might be like 30 and you might have a child and you might have to cook dinner and you might have to do the washing and the laundry mm. and get the car done and go to work. And it's just all these little tasks that add up. When you're a young woman or like a teenager, often girls aren't diagnosed because they've only got, you get to just focus on school. And they're achieving. You're they're achieving doing well. at school. It's not obvious. Whereas as you get on in life, more things come onto your plate. So you're more likely to be dropping the ball at one or two or three or four of them. And then again, you feel like you're failing because you're like, none of these things that I do, I'm doing well. Mm. The tiredness levels I would feel and then doing all those things, it's exhausting. I don't know yet because I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine how exhausting it is being a parent regardless and then having uh, like a condition which makes you so tired. I've had chronic fatigue before and I honestly reckon a lot of it is linked into having ADHD because I don't feel as tired currently. Mm. Um, it's changed my life already. Well, I'm glad. Like I feel like every time a friend of mine or someone I know messages me and says, thank you for speaking about it. I just got diagnosed or like I'm starting the process now. Mm. It's really good because you're like, if you can just change one person's life, it feels really rewarding. Cause yeah. I mean, just think how great you feel now, finally knowing. Imagine how many people might listen to this and think, hey, that sounds like me. And I feel something's different about the way that I would analyze that and things I've shared about myself in the past. I would probably feel a bit, oh, whereas I just, I'm not dwelling on it as much maybe as I would have before. I'm just sort of, something's shifted. I feel like because it's an asset as well and it's the stigma's not so much there anymore. And also I feel like for you and your career and your life, ADHD has probably played a really strong part in how well you've done. I understand hard times. I understand feeling like a piece of crap, like not feeling good enough, which we all feel. Um, and I think creating this podcast, as much as I love it, it is at times really hard work. But when I created it, it was just a breeze because I was yeah. hyper fixated on it and honestly like I just I look back I had to look back on some things like years back to how I'd started it I'd literally started it like a a startup like a business like a brand it was like I couldn't believe it and it was just I was so passionate and loved it yeah so having ADHD is probably what's helped me do what I do and, and and having the conversations I'm able to have you know, Melanie C, Spice Girl, she told me stuff that, like, she's never told anyone. And mm. trust me, I've listened to every interview she has <laughs> ever done in research. She, you know, like, she trusted yeah. me enough to speak about things. And that's a real honor, you know. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of good things mm. that can come from conversations like this. And it's just so funny to yeah. me that you said that you could tell that I had it. I always tell my boyfriend, like, I can just tell when someone's got ADHD. Was it the chatty <laughs> thing? Was it, like, changing subjects? Chatty, changing subjects. But also that we just got along straight away really well. And I feel like often ADHDers <laughs> get along with other ADHDers yeah. really well, which is why I'm very thankful to have come on the podcast today. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. That's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club. Hit follow on your podcast app to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you're enjoying listening, leave us a five-star rating and write us a kind review. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram to keep up with our videos, content, and you'll find me at Belle Crawford on Instagram and Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok for my vlogs. We'll be back with a new episode for you soon. I'll catch you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.